Niin. The heart or essence or ground of meditation is presence. The Pali word for that, the word the Buddha used, sati. That's the word that's most often these days translated as mindfulness, which is a rather strange kind of a word actually. Mindfulness. Not, I think it's an unfortunate translation for sati, but it's too late to do much about that now. Mm-hmm. Mindfulness has firmly and you know, impressively and helpfully, I think, in many ways found its way into our cultural lexicon and has become a kind of shorthand for um, the kinds of meditative practices that come out of the Buddhist tradition, the kind of meditative practices that we're exploring here. And the very many numerous contexts now in which those kinds of practices are being made available to people, often in contexts that aren't overtly spiritual or Buddhist, you know, that might have a less, um, might have a more uh, particular uh, focus of the kind of benefits they're aiming at. And, you know, alongside the the, good beneficial thing that mindfulness has spread in all these different ways, the the term that I prefer, the term that I think is actually a better fit for the original sense of what's meant by sati, when the Buddha uses it, presence. Sense of having our attention be here, inside what's happening. Rather than being caught up in, the, in our ideas and images and interpretations about what's happening, the stories we tell ourselves, the reactions we're having to what's going on. Sati, presence, this essential ground of meditation, they're coming back to actually inhabiting what's happening. So again, rather than the language I would say of being mindful of, rather this language of inhabiting experience, being present in the midst of experience. And that's the focus of our practice then, particularly at the beginning of a retreat period. Really establishing and re-establishing and re-establishing again and again this inhabiting of our lived experience, immediate experience, visceral experience. Being present in the midst of what's happening. And then inevitably that process of whoop, we find ourselves led, o- led, led away into ideas and images and interpretations. And then, oh yeah, and then re-establishing that, re-inhabiting experience, resettling into presence. And when we talk about presence then, 
That specifically means what we could call embodied presence. Again, if we think of mindfulness or we think of meditation generally, it's often sort of presented as a kind of mental exercise. And certainly we're working with our minds, we're recognizing our minds, we're tracking our minds like we said yesterday, we're seeing how the mind moves with various habits and we're consciously directing our minds back to something immediate. But in a way more essential or more fundamental than meditation as something we're doing mentally is something that we're doing viscerally, physiologically. Presence is visceral. Presence is embodied. Because all of our experience is embodied. And our sensor, sensory organs are here in bodily life. Our consciousness is here. We talk about body and mind. And, uh, I think a couple of you mentioned yesterday as we were going around, being interested in you know, body and mind exploring body and mind and of course you know, for purposes of everyday language we, when we say body we know what we mean when we say mind maybe we know what we mean but body and mind don't really exist <laughs> as two separate things right? there's not like a thing called body and a thing called mind can you find body without mind right? I mean, you can, but it's called a corpse. Can you find mind without a body? So, meditation is is engaging experience, actually, in a way that leaves behind those two distinctions, body and mind. We're engaging experience here, where it's happening. We're being inside this experience of being here. Because this is where we meet life. This is where we can track our experience. This is where we can see into the nature of what's happening. This is where we can care for experience, understand experience, open up experience. Liberate experience. Buddha had an interesting term that he used for embodied presence. Yoni so manisikara. Yoni so yoni means womb. More often these days, you might hear of yoni in the yogic traditions or in some tantric teachings as meaning vagina. But actually, actually, it's the term in Pali or Sanskrit that refers to the kind of the female reproductive system generally. But here, particularly, it means a womb. So yoni so from the womb, manisikara, um, conscious activity. We might say womby attention, womby presence. Very nice. Some people in the room are feeling left out. Mm-hmm. Right. 
If you're a being that doesn't have a, a, a womb, at least as an organ, you know, that's okay. It's really pointing to a kind of energetic womb. You know, just like in English, we talk about the heart in two different ways. We, might, we, talk, we talk about the heart as an organ, right, as a physical thing that pumps blood. But we also talk about the heart as the kind of an energetic center, the center of emotional life. You know, we say about how my heart's feeling. And we know when we talk about what's going on in my heart, we're not talking about the blood pump. Right? We're talking about this sense that we have that emotional life and love that can be experienced in all kinds of ways, somehow the feeling is that it sort of has its center of operations, its energetic center in the chest area. Right? So this is also true for the womb. There's the womb that is uh, that organ of reproduction. But then also, when we're talking about womb in this sense, we're meaning an energetic womb, that sense of a kind of the deepest place in us. I mean, it's interesting, we all come from a wo- the womb. The womb is the origin of life in some ways. And so, uh, rather than just the organ, what's being evoked or suggested there when the Buddha talks about wombi presence is actually letting our attention settle into that sort of low down, deep, inner, cavernous space of presence. And the feeling of being grounded with your attention down in your belly lower belly. Embodied presence. Embellied presence. Woomy presence. So, as we practice today, we're going to give specific attention to um, to sensing into the belly area, to settling our attention in the belly area, to awakening the belly center. Because in the same way that the heart area is the energetic center of love, the belly area is the energetic center of presence. And learning to kind of uh, settle into this area, feel out this area, open up this area, relax into this area, find the various tensions or defenses that might be there in this area and let them soften. This is a big part of how we get to really establish embodied presence in a way that can become more and more accessible, more and more reliable, and more and more kind of our home. Our home in meditation, but actually equally our home generally. This is where we find out how to be at home in our body. 
at home in a way that's easeful, relaxed, undefended. So we'll use uh, the belly center. Right? When I take about, talk about belly or that lower belly or the womb in this case, I'm really meaning that area down below your navel. And the lowest part of belly. And the lowest place often where you can feel the gentle uh, movement of breathing, the expansion of the in-breath relaxation of the out-breath. And some of you may be used to establishing your attention in that way. Some of you have probably sat retreats with me before where we've emphasized embellied attention. But some of you might be used to attending in different ways, maybe to tracking your breathing in a different way or in a different place in, in, uh, of where you can feel breathing. And if that's the case, if you have some well-established way of doing that that's just different to this, well, that's, that's totally fine. And for these days, let your attention drop down into your belly. Even if the habit of that is unusual to you and you find your attention keeps bouncing back to some other way of attending, Just in just the same way that if you were in any other context, my request would be drop whatever instructions you've gotten from me and follow the instructions in that other context. So just for these days, the invitation to put aside other ways of practicing or other, uh, other habits, if you like, of meditation. And to let this kind of embodied ground, this belly-ish, Ah, dropping down this womby presence. Be the, you know, be the ground of our practice together. So as we sit together this morning, I'll give a little orientation to um, to practicing in this way. And just a, a few words about posture to support that. Firstly, just sitting in a way that's stable. If you're not familiar with being on the floor, uh, you know, some of you may be really at ease on the floor, comfortable on the floor, glad to be on the floor. And some of you might be looking sideways jealously at those who are on chairs. If you would be more comfortable on a chair, please, for goodness sake, just sit on a chair. There are plenty of chairs. If there's not plenty, there's more in the back. No need to sit on the floor. The elements of posture that are helpful are, firstly, the sense of stability. So you can get that on the floor by having your knees and your buttocks make a steady triangle, whether your legs are folded across one another or behind you in a kneeling posture or using a bench or whatever. This sense of stability, very helpful. You can get that same stability on a chair by having your feet kind of well planted flat on the floor. And just, you can then use that stability to kind of, oh, to sort of trust the ground beneath you. 
to rest into that steadiness of your posture. So the physical stability of posture supports then a quality of steady awareness, grounded awareness. Second thing is the quality of being upright, also very helpful. If you're on a chair, it's unless you have some kind of weakness or injury in your back, it's often helpful, most helpful to sit away from the back of the chair for that uprightness. If you're on the floor, it can be helpful to stick your buttocks out a bit, make a little curve in your lower back. And maybe at first that leads to you sort of overextending a bit, but then just softening all that so you can feel the kind of length and uprightness in your spine. And that contributes to a certain brightness of attention, right? Upright posture, bright awareness. Also helpful just to open your shoulders a little bit. Sometimes we usually get a bit collapsed in our shoulders. And if you just roll your shoulders back a little, you feel the way that brings space into your chest. Helps breath to move more freely. And it also creates a feel of a kind of undefendedness or receptivity. Open posture. Receptive awareness. And then the fourth element to emphasize is ease, relaxation. Just inviting any unnecessary tension that you can find in your posture to soften, relax. Sometimes facial muscles, you know, eyes or jaw, and just holding some tension. Or shoulders, or arms, or hands. So just seeing if you can kind of rest into your posture. Relaxed posture. Gentle, natural, relaxed awareness. body sitting, breath breathing, thoughts thinking. Registering it all, receiving it all, knowing it all.
And our practice then this morning is one of establishing our awareness here. Grounding our awareness down here in your belly. Feeling down into that lowest place in which breath can be felt. Letting all your attention flow down into your belly and stay there. Gathering your attention down here in such a way that you can feel the expansion of the in-breath down here. That you can allow the relaxation of the out-breath down here. That you can stay present down here through that momentary still point at the end of the out-breath. So just keep cultivating the intention to stay present, embodied, awake, down in your belly. And then also every time some idea or image pulls you out, pulls you away, And just when you notice that, dropping down again, riding your out-breath back down into your belly.
Let your breath happen naturally. Just as you let sounds unfold naturally. Letting thoughts think naturally. No need to control or manage your experience. Rather, just in the midst of whatever's happening naturally, keep on pouring your attention down into your belly. Resting your awareness down here. Inhabiting this deepest place in you. Feeling into the depths. The wombiness. of embodied presence.
you can use the natural qualities of your breathing to support your practice. Use the natural expansion of each in-breath to expand more fully into embodied awareness, to inhabiting your belly. Use the natural relaxation of each out-breath to rest more fully into your belly. Use the natural stillness of that brief moment between breaths at the end of the out-breath to let everything stop. And however much, however often you find your attention pulled away by habits of mind, ideas and images and interpretations, no problem. Just being willing again and again to keep gently redirecting your attention in and down. inhabiting this body of experience. And continuing to practice like this for the remaining 10 minutes or so.
in these last moments of the sitting. Just letting the sphere of your attention widen. Kind of open awareness in which you just sense the whole of bodily experience. And the sense of the space and the sounds around you. The way in which your attention can be open and inclusive and yet still embodied, grounded. And then when you hear the bell ring, as you start to raise your eyes and adjust your posture, seeing if that too can be included, the seeing and the moving, in such a way as you stay present, embodied. And in this way then, even though the formality of meditation ends, the continuity of presence can remain. give some instruction at this time each each morning and then also make time um, just to hear a little from you if there are things in the way that I'm describing <coughs> our meditation practice that are not clear to you then please feel free to ask about that if there's anything that stands out in your own practice that you want to ask about or explore or check in with then here's the chance for that too. And there will be opportunities as well during the week to meet with, uh, to meet in small groups with me to check in, and to meet with Gail also individually to explore your practice. But this time each day is one of the main opportunities just to explore what's going on for you. And often the reflecting on and the exploring and then the digesting of what's happening in meditation is just as important a part of that deepening process as doing the meditation itself. So, you know, I know sometimes people can feel a little shy to ask questions in a large group, but what to do about that, you know? 
Please, you know, if there are questions or comments that you have, please feel free to bring them forth. And often, question of one person is is shared by others, and so it's useful in uh, in this kind of context. Useful for others to hear your question as well. So, as I say, there's time for that now. If you have questions or comments you'd like to uh, bring forth, please feel free. Yes. Hold on, we'll, we'll pass the mic back so that everybody can hear them. Could you pass the mic? Thank you. Right at the back. Um, so as you get distracted from, I guess, focusing on um, the kind of wound area, I guess. Hold um, a little closer. Sorry, can mm. you hear me now? Yeah, when you get distracted. When you get distracted away from focusing on that like kind of central area, um, and you kind of, I guess, go away in like images and thoughts. Um, are you like recognizing what they are and, and at this point thinking about them, or are you just going directly back to? Directly back. Okay. Yeah. So for now, you know, we'll we'll we'll. Uh, the instruction will be progressive over the days, right? And at some point, it's certainly uh, um, helpful to see where the mind goes and what it does. But you need to have some established ground for being able to explore where mind goes and what it does. Because if you don't have that ground, you're not exploring, you're just, uh, just being seduced by, right? Getting lost in. So for now, wherever it goes and whatever it does and however compelling or lurid or uh, entertaining the ideas and images and stories and memories and fantasies and, and uh, dramas are, drop them. Leave them alone. Drop them doesn't mean you have to kind of suppress them or stop them happening, but you just make that adjustment in your t with your attention from being Involved with to, uh, from what I sometimes call from being up and out in the idea and the image to in and down. Right. So being very simple for now, whatever it is, just just re-establishing that contact with belly breath. Okay, yeah. Uh, so just behind, okay here and then behind. Good morning. Hey. Um, I'm just really aware of a almost like a physical restriction mm -hmm. in my belly, mm. in my womb, actually, mm. in my hips. So when I'm breathing down there, it's just like, no, I'm not going to let you in. I'm not going to let you come in there. It's like I'm trying to... find that connection, really rest in that connection mm. or into that, into that depth. It's, like, it's almost like I've got physical constraints. Right. Me. How do I... Yeah. So as you sense down into that area, you can feel some residual tension, let's say. Right? It's, like, it's like a, a physical residual tension and, almost, and also a resistance. Yeah. It's like the, the both are playing each other. Yeah. Yeah. And is there an emotional component to that as well? So that physically you can feel resistance? Or it's um, 
think this I think there is probably yeah underlying emotional old emotional there's all sorts going on mm-hmm. down there there's shame there's uh, it's like it's holding a lot right yeah right so important that as you sense in in that way that your attention is gentle attention kindly attention caretaking attention right yesterday we spoke about resting into seeing the nature of and caring for experience right so what we're doing when we're being present in that way it's not just that we're giving a kind of neutral attention right it's an attention that on the one hand resting into but on the other hand and particularly when we sense some resistance or difficulty the caring for so that means caring for the resistance or the shame or whatever rather than trying to get past it you know oh, i've got to get rid of that resistance that's called more resistance, right? Resistance to the resistance, <laughs> right? So, oh, you sense down there and you sense some tension or some difficulty or some reluctance or some shame, etc. It's like, oh, so you see if you can include those things. Those are not some sort of impediment or some kind of wrong thing or some kind of obstacle. They are what's happening. They're part of the process, right? So... When I say that, see if you can include or care or take care of that, does that make sense to you? Does that seem possible? Yeah. It's hard to, uh, to just simply now the instruction is just to sort of, just to take care of it. It's like I can't get down in there to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So wherever you do get down to, right, wherever you get down and there's something there, some tension, some resistance, etc. Just let that be, right? But you, you're you're letting your attention enter there in such a way that you're actually cultivating. In each moment, you're cultivating caretaking, you're cultivating gentleness, right? You're cultivating a, a skillful capacity to meet the inevitable resistance or difficulty or tension that we notice as we go into our experience. Yeah, thank you. So just here, yeah. Hi, um, however comfy I think I am at the beginning, Yeah. 10 minutes in, knees. Yeah. So do you recommend like shuffling or changing or going through? Mm-hmm. Um, it depends what your resources are, right? So we'll, we'll talk about the meeting the inevitable discomfort, like you say, however comfy <laughs> you think you are at the beginning. Because there is no perfect posture. There is no perfect combination of cushions. Right? That, oh, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So... There's different elements, right? Some of it is actually the physical intensity of knees or ankles can be under a certain kind of pressure of sitting. And uh, if it's that, then, you know, a chair will put less stress on those parts. But a lot of the discomfort in meditation isn't really to do with the physicality. It's more this kind of, you know, actually giving care and attention and space to our own kind of energetic 
experience in a way in ways that we're not used to maybe for the first time in some ways and that means we're giving attention we're noticing tension patterns that are largely unconscious most of the time and actually as you start to notice those tensions it's what gives them the space to relax but the relaxing process tends to produce a lot of heat and density and a lot of the discomfort that you might notice not to do with the posture at all it might be tension in the shoulders for example or neck or head or uh, you know you're not putting any tension in your any pressure on those areas so there's certainly really worth just hanging in there gently right just like we spoke about with that kind of resistance just cultivating a kind of gentle presence non-reactive presence spacious presence non-drama presence you know tendencies to go to the drama oh my god it's only 10 minutes i'm already uncomfortable how long is it going to be he didn't even say how long we were going to sit for <laughs> it says on the schedule 9:30 to 12:30 <laughs> is there going to be a bell before that <laughs> like full catastrophe mind so all the while you have the resources to generate to to cultivate gentle presence non-dramatic presence spacious presence that's i would say fully recommended at some point one doesn't have that capacity anymore either because the pain is the discomfort has got too much or because just one's gotten in so so embroiled in the kind of struggle etc that then you're not cu- cultivating anything useful anymore you're just cultivating you know resistance or bloody mindedness or discouragement right oh this is no good oh this is terrible why did i come So at that point if you can't if you can't cultivate space around that anymore then it's best to shift your posture adjust your posture stand up if you like or just un- undo your knees a little bit oh, you know yeah so it's not that you know how long one should sit for or all isn't really um measured like that but just to see what are you able to cultivate yeah so here um one of the things i'm thinking about is sort of the reflection on natural breath mm. forces the breath almost mm-hmm. um and just lots of tension connected yeah yeah so sometimes and it's quite common right that it can be that just the f- breathing we know must be going on naturally because it's managed to do so for some decades already right and you say oh yeah let's pay attention just let it be natural and the very act of turning our attention towards it <coughs> starts to uh you know we start to constrict the breath or control the breath or get very complicated about what natural breath is right where's oh, where's the end of the out breath is it down there a bit more and then, you know yeah it's killer <laughs> you know this tendency we have to make things complicated and when we notice that and i had a lot of trouble with that in the beginning of my practice you know when we notice that we'll be really noticing it's not just the breath that we have the tendency to control it's pretty much everything you know and our tendency to control manipulate manage organize measure and you know our experience is 
is showing up around oh something very simple just let yourself breathe naturally okay yeah what does that mean what's a natural breath how long does it last well, how long should it last you know etc so y- in a way the best thing with that is just kind of busting yourself on it oh yeah there i go again not giving yourself a hard time oh i shouldn't i've got to stop because that's just more attempt to control trying to control the controlling right? so it's just kind of reset Yeah, but I think uh, natural breath. Right. And if you find that you uh, that you get into too much of a knot around the controlling, then leave the breath alone completely and just feel, just keep feeling down into that area. Just staying present, leaving breath alone, and just see if you can sort of gather your attention there, cultivate a sense of staying, or of natural knowing, of resting. And if it helps to give a different focus than breathing down there, you can always p- just put your hand, one or both hands, on your lower belly. And the, the f- warmth or the contact there can provide a different kind of reference point for your attention than the breath that you're otherwise getting a little you know, caught in. Okay. Can you pass the mic forward? Just coming back to your first question, the first question and what you said about the thoughts. Um, so when the mind goes into thinking, bringing it back, mm. but not stopping or trying to block the thoughts. Mm. And my question is, I find it's a fine line between um, coming back and blocking and, and kind of stopping the thought. Mm. How do you know the difference in that little subtle? Yeah. Well, it's the difference is it's like what you're tra- what are you taking care of? Are you taking care of what your thoughts are doing, or are you taking care of where your attention's going? Um, I don't follow the thought, but I notice in in coming back. Sometimes it feels like I'm stopping them mm. instead of just letting them go. And mm-hmm. I'm not sure about the difference between stopping and letting go right. if I don't follow them. Yeah. So one feels harder than the other. Yeah. The stopping feels harder, but yes, that's a good that that's a good sign. That stopping feels harder, right? And we and so putting the emphasis on something that's more gentle. It's wonderful, you know, you don't have to manage your thoughts. Oh, thank God. A lot of the trouble people get into in meditation is trying to manage their thoughts. It's very difficult to manage your thoughts. Thoughts are unruly. They've been running around for decades, misbehaving, right? And then suddenly, (coughs) gonna get them all organized and make them do what I want. Oh, good luck. So that feels harsh, right? Trying to stop your thought, manage your thought, demand that a thought stop being this kind of thing. Oh, harsh. So rather, you just you know, thought, let thought be one thing. Because thoughts are just going on freely. It's just like, just like the birds are singing freely. We're not going to get out there and try and stop the birds, right? I mean, sometimes people get into that while they're here. They write a note to the coordinators. Can you do something about the birds? Right. <laughs> 
disturbing my meditation. But clearly we see, oh, that's a little bit mad. (laughs) But it's just like birdsong. And then thoughts, blah, blah, blah. So you you just can leave thoughts to think. Leave sounds to, leave birds to sing. And directing the attention can be done without being hard. Directing the attention can be done very, very easily. Look, if if I wave, how much effort does it take to direct your attention? Very, very little. If I say, uh, feel your hands, how much energy? It's easy, Just just take your attention there. Just take your attention. So let the directing of your attention be a kind of fluid process, gentle process, effortless process. In cultivating this sense of a kind of ease, not as some state to attain in the future, I'll attain some meditative ease, but ease as the process. Process of easily, oh yes, thoughts doing that, okay. Just keeping on establishing and re-establishing attention here. But then, should you let the thoughts think themselves? Yes. But how do you... Once you take your attention away, your thoughts will just die by themselves. Because attention feeds thought, right? If thought's not getting any attention, it has no life, right? The thought only has any life to it to the extent that it has our attention. As soon as you take your attention away, it literally it, cease, it will cease to exist by itself because anything can only exist as a combination of the phenomena plus the attention. Right? You can't have an experience without attention. Right? <coughs> Plenty of things are happening, but if, you don't have it, if no attention goes to them, they won't have been an experience. Right? You know, while this has been happening, Various sounds in the room. While we're talking, people might have been shuffling on their cushions or coughing. But if your attention didn't go there, it, it was never an experience. Take your attention somewhere else, thoughts will just die. Of course, another one might come up quick, <laughs> quite soon afterwards. But that's part of the generating the skill, right? The skill and the capacity and the momentum of being able to actually have our attention go where we choose and stay there. And then that completely starts to change our relationship with our thinking, which otherwise is sort of commanding our attention. Thought, our thoughts are in charge and they're pulling us around all over the place, wherever they want to go. And we, oh yes, we follow along behind. But it doesn't need to be like that. Okay. And then I'll just hear while we're at the front and then at the back and then that'll be enough for this morning. Just, just here while we're here, and then we'll go to the back. And the physical sensations, um, is it helpful then if, I, if I'm allowed to make some little movements, like I feel tense here or here? So is it better to resist and to um, put the attention on it? or, or is it also good to release a little bit by movement? Mm. Well, w- what movement or um, staying still? That's yeah. the question. Yeah. Well, it depends. If you a little movement, does that is that relieving? 
sometimes and sometimes not, and then it comes again. <laughs> right. So if a little movement is relieving, great. Mm -hmm. Very good, easy solution. A little bit of movement, relief. And if it doesn't work, then, <laughs> mm. right. then the, like we were saying before about discomfort and cultivating the, uh, the sense of non-resistance, gentleness, grounding, etc. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So if you could pass the mic back to right at the back there. Thank you. Um, so, um, coming back to the breath um, through periods of distraction is something I feel fairly familiar with, um, but I'm feeling very tired. Mm. So, when I come back to the breath, I start to feel like I'm going to fall asleep. Mm. And then, so I start to think to stop myself from falling asleep. Mm. Um, so I'm going through a bit of a cycle at the moment. I'm quite used to coming into meditation after a physical practice. So mm. I think obviously that helps a lot. But um, so this is a fairly new uh, setup for me. So yeah. So it's very common. Yeah. First couple of uh, first little while of a meditation retreat. B before we're kind of the sort of energy level stabilizes quite common to feel like we either have too much energy called restlessness, right? agitation, oh my god, how long has it lost? <laughs> or not enough energy called dullness. You know? And then to feel like we're kind of nodding off. So it tends to stabilize a little bit over time, but a couple of things that you can help to with that, with the tiredness or the, the dullness, standing up can help you less likely to nod off. I've seen it happen, unfortunately, <laughs> but you're less likely to nod off if you stand, and you're welcome to stand at any time, you know, whether that's to relieve dullness or whether it's to relieve discomfort. Opening your eyes also helps, and even raising your eyes. So really if you raise your eyes towards the ceiling, it tends to bring a little more energy into the system. You can also, in terms of the breath, you can emphasize the in-breath, the kind of enlivening quality of the in-breath. Emphasize doesn't mean forcing it, right, but just feeling the way there's something inevitable, uh, inherently expansive. And the other thing you can do with the breath is just to stop breathing for a while. And you'll find that you'll become quite awake. <laughs> right? So if you stop, particularly at the, at the end of the out-breath, not, not holding your breath in, which generates tension, in, so, but at the end of the out-breath, just stop. Stay there, 20, 30 seconds, 40, 50, you start to get, suddenly the breath is very, very interesting in a way that it wasn't before, and that just also tends to just stimulate the, the nervous system a little bit. Oxygen deprivation is quite uh, vivifying, it turns out. Okay. Now, you want to just bring the mic? Thanks. Thank you. Okay, so having sat for a while, we'll, we'll spend a little time doing some walking practice and then come back to sitting. 
and the same intention is just like the same intention is running through the the our formal meditation practice and the movement practices in the in same intention running through from sitting to walking right establishing embodied awareness being present in the midst of experience and it may be you can see for yourself it may be that you can continue to use your lower belly for the center of your attention you're walking in a way that you're kind of leading with your belly doesn't mean that you're only going to be aware of belly Walking is different from sitting in several ways, right? It's different because eyes are open, and there's movement. So there's just a little more s- sensory stimulation. Right? And yet, and to just like I was mentioning at the end of the meditation about having a more open sphere of awareness as the bell rang and you start to open your eyes, right? to see if you can carry that in the walking. You know, eyes are open, movement's happening, aware of the the world around you, but see if you can be aware in such a way that the center of your awareness is here, down here, listening from your belly, feeling from your belly, walking from your belly. And if that doesn't seem so helpful or doesn't work for you, you can also just have the general sense of body moving be your reference point. So just the feel right, of legs and arms moving. Feel of feet on the ground, the feel of the kind of natural movement of walking. The feel of this sort of somatic intelligence, right? Like our oh, body knows how to walk. Just like body knows how to breathe. And sometimes like we were hearing around getting a little tight or controlling around the breath, we can find ourselves doing that around the walking, kind of getting contrived with the walking, trying to reinvent walking, trying to think about how to walk. Right. And then we get, get rather tight or complicated with it. Believe me, body knows how to walk. Right. And so at least whatever extent, you know, unless you have some kind of physical uh, difficulty that you have to compensate for, in which case please do whatever you need to, just letting the walking be natural, simple, relaxed. But bec- and because you're not going anywhere, you're not walking to, right? you're not heading for a destination, so there's, there's certainly no need to rush. There's no need to lean in any way forward energetically. Just walking in presence. And so there might very qu- quite naturally it might be that you find that your walking kind of slows down, slows down, slows down. And if that's the case, feel free to slow down. You can walk as slowly as you like, but no need to contrive slowness. And then another thing with walking, letting the, um, the same elements of posture that I mentioned for sitting, also helpful, right? Steady grounded, you're feeling your feet on the ground, resting into your footsteps. And then that sense of being bright and upright, open, receptive, 
Actually having a certain kind of brightness and uprightness to your posture will help a lot, a sense of clear presence in the walking. If you're up uh, looking around, looking around, you'll tend to space out. If your head drops and you're kind of just looking at the floor in front of you, you'll tend to kind of go a little uh, dull or insular right, in your own thought loops. So Steady, upright, open and relaxing into the walking. And then you can just let your gaze be soft. Right? You're not f- really focusing on whatever's going on around you. You're just g- generally looking uh, in front. Eyes are relaxed. And then the sense of just grounding your attention in the walking itself. Maybe with the reference point being your belly. Maybe the reference point being just the feel of legs moving. And using some short walking space. You've seen maybe there's a walking room here, but there's also just all the beautiful grounds of Gaia House to walk in. And rather than going for some pleasant stroll around, right, just taking a path that might be about the width of the meditation hall, or even a little less, and you're just going back and forward. And so that the, the, con- the ends of your path act as a certain kind of container for your practice. You get to the end of your path, See where your mind is. Like, oh. And if you've gotten a little carried away with something, it's just a chance to reset. Stop. Turn around. Bodily life. Presence. And walk your path again. So the more you can just kind of be simple in the walking and walk on that path, just giving yourself that same chip opportunity we have in the walking to actually cultivate a certain kind of simplicity of presence, groundedness of presence, immediacy of presence, inhabiting body in the walking. Getting caught up in this or that element of either what's going on around you or what's going on in the kind of the various realms of mind wandering and then re-establishing, re-establishing. Does that sound clear? Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.